Welcome back to the Settlement Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Riley Bostwick, and today we're taking a deep dive into pharmaceutical settlements with Sam Suki, who is the manager of settlement opportunities at MCAT. Stay tuned. All right, I'm here with Sam Suki. Welcome back to the podcast, Sam. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, let's get started by talking about what pharmaceutical settlements are. So could you explain how these come about and maybe how they're different from other class action settlements? Yeah, so the pharmaceutical settlements, they usually stem from a series of anti-competitive agreements entered between um, brand and generic manufacturers to basically delay the entry of a generic drug on the market. And what this does is it creates premium prices for that drug and prevents that cheaper version from hitting the market. So that affects multiple different groups of entities and people, including consumers and health plans. So the, the consumer, you're forced to buy the name brand. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. They get to continue their, basically their monopoly in the market. Yeah. I see. Is it usually the same companies that are that are the culprits of this? I would say personally that yes, the defendants usually are repetitive just because there's a class action pharmaceutical settlement created from one defendant. It's not actually going to, you know, prohibit them from going into these agreements again. There was a basically a landmark decision about 10 years ago that took a look at these reverse payment settlements or pay-for-delay settlements, as we call them, bef- mm-hmm. between these competitors. They're not anti-competitive on their face. Um, however, patent protection doesn't exclude them from antitrust scrutiny. So each time that these defendants go into a deal with each other um, doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to see a class action settlement stem from it. It does have to be reviewed, but usually that's when you'll see uh, plaintiffs file class action lawsuits against them. Okay. Well, let's touch on these parties that are involved. You have the defendants that are being sued. Uh, Then you have, you know, you just mentioned the the plaintiffs who are really just liaisons for the victims in this situation, right? So for these types of settlements, we're talking about businesses with self-insured benefit plans for their employees. Is that right? We're talking for our clients, the benefit plan settlements, but just a little bit about the other parties. So just a little bit of supply chain 101, we've got direct purchasers. So that's going to be first in line in terms of damages. So those mean, meaning the drug wholesalers that are buying these drugs directly from manufacturers, they typically get a, a larger settlement because they're, like I said, first in line in terms of that supposed overcharge on the drugs being passed on. So that's one group. Um, That's a smaller group. Like I said, very large drug wholesalers, typically not our clients. And then you have a class in between that's called the indirect uh, resellers. So this is going to be your, you know, your large pharmacy chains. And then kind of at the bottom, you've got the end payers. And just as the, the name kind of alludes to, it's the ultimate end payer of that drug. And that kind of splits off into a few groups. So we've got, you know, insurance companies covering part of that. Mm -hmm. And then we've also got consumers like you and I. And then we've got who we file for specifically, and those are the benefit plans. So we file specifically for self-insured entities that, you know, purchase these drugs on behalf of their employees and supposedly paid, paid a premium price for them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of parties. A lot. A lot of different parties. Yes. A lot of uh, businesses that could that could benefit from these settlements, right? Yeah. And even though we file exclusively for, like I said, those self-insured entities that are the end payer through their employee benefit plan, it's still important for us to um, understand what's going on with the other parties because typically when 
a company settles in a pharmaceutical settlement with direct purchasers, that gives us a heads up that they're on their way probably settling with other parties, including for our clients. Mm. So how frequently do these settlements occur? Okay, so for the class that we file for, those self-insured um, benefit plans, there's going to be probably about half a dozen settlements a year. So in 2022, we actually saw seven pharmaceutical settlements that we filed into for our clients, which was on the higher end. 2021 um, was a little less probably because of the pandemic the year before. But on average, you should expect each quarter we send out a report. We usually on average have at least one to two pharmaceutical settlements a quarter on there. So, yeah. And that's what's great about these settlements is sometimes the fund amounts, um, they vary. It could be a $50 million settlement. It could be a $200 million settlement, but they're frequent. So they're easy for us to file into. And like I said, we we have a good idea of what's coming up. Mm -hmm. I've had plenty of experience with with these types of settlements. Oh, yes. Okay. They're they're all a little bit unique, but like I said, they all definitely have patterns. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if I um, let's boil this down, if I if I run a business and I have a self-insured benefit plan for my employees, what do I need to know about these settlements and can I get money from them? Really? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, as a class member, you could file on your own. However, if you have MCAG file for you, we're able to basically work with your benefits department and utilize our benefits partners as well to collect any relevant data that might go, you know, years back that might not always be easily on hand. And then also we work with the settlement administrator to maximize your submitted volume for drug purchases. So we've got different data metrics, like I said, different partners. You could go it alone, but uh, we supplement all of our claims with data, like I said, that will maximize your claim. And because there's so many, you know, to stay on top of these, it, it might be quite a bit of work. But we also work with pharmacy benefit managers. So, you know, like you mentioned, we're very experienced um, in working with all the different partners that can provide that data that we need to maximize your claim. You're listening to the Settlement Recovery Podcast. Today we're talking with Sam Suki, Manager of Settlement Opportunities, about pharmaceutical settlements. So, Sam, what uh, what pharmaceutical settlements are on the horizon for maybe later this year or in the future? Yeah, well, I'm glad you asked. Yeah. Um, so right now we know that there is Exforge, which is used to treat blood pressure. And that settlement is $30 million for benefit plans and consumers. And we're just waiting for details on the filing deadline. But what was really exciting is last week uh, there's a drug called Zetia and that's to treat cholesterol, that was about to go to trial, which is actually very rare for these cases. There's only a few jury trials that have actually existed um, because usually these parties settle before. So we were kind of anticipating a possible settlement, and during jury selection, they did announce that that they settled with all parties. So they settled with direct purchasers, um, they settled with the resellers, and then they, of course, settled for end payers. But the details such as the the fund amount, um, as well as the filing deadline, we're still waiting for updates on that. It might be a month or so. Okay. But the fact that they settled means that there is money available. Oh, to, yes. Yes. To There's for sure a deal. Otherwise, they would have had to go through with the trial. Okay. So, Cool. So what's the biggest opportunity in this space of pharmaceutical settlements that's coming up? So we're really keeping an eye on the generic 
pharmaceutical pricing, antitrust litigation. This is a huge, what we call multi-district litigation, um, meaning there are you know tons of different cases where they've been compiled into basically one large case just for efficiency purposes. But this basically is a generic uh, drug conspiracy where allegedly generic drug makers colluded to once again, keep the uh, the prices high in the market, specifically for you know different types of drugs and to treat dermatology related conditions. But this is really a massive case. It's been ongoing for over six years, and we've got lots of state attorneys general involved as well. Um, and it could include up to a hundred drugs. So right now, when we typically file into a pharmaceutical settlement, it's for one drug. Rambaxi was a settlement we just filed into, and that was for three drugs. And that was, I believe, over a $100 million fund just for those end payers. So you can only, you know, really guess how large it could be if there's over 100 drugs possibly and dozens of defendants that settle. And what's really interesting is there's already been one defendant that settled for indirect purchasers, specifically for those that dispense the drugs. So this is a unique class that we didn't mention before. Usually it's just for the resellers like pharmacies, but they included hospitals specifically into this $1 million deal. So we're thinking that the generic um, pharmaceutical pricing litigation, it could be big in terms of how many drugs are included, meaning the fund is just going to, it could be really large. It could be like the largest pharmaceutical settlement we see but that there could be different types of class members that we already have as clients. So our hospital clients, for example, they might be able to collect as an end payer from their employee benefit plan, but they also might be able to collect for damages as a hospital dispensing the drugs for inpatient use. So it's just a, it's an exciting opportunity. So we're tracking that one. Hopefully we'll have some additional updates to provide before the end of the year here. Awesome. Well, thank you for all the info you provided, Sam. Appreciate you, you giving us your time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. If you want to connect with Sam and learn more about MCAG Settlement Recovery Service and pharmaceutical settlements, there's information in the notes of this podcast. That's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we do, then share, subscribe, and leave a review on iTunes. Also, send us your questions at info at mcaginc.com. That's it for now, but we'll be back on the next episode of the Settlement Recovery Podcast. 